From the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, here's what's new today. I really just wanted to push colors. I think colors like really convey emotions and I love the way that if you look at color and you put like this color next to another color, the colors start to vibrate. And it's almost like motion, but it's not because it's like something that's very still. Honestly, things just come to me and then I like how they look and then I just keep going with it and it keeps building and building. I'm Scott Yates, photographer and multimedia journalist with the Rockford Register Star. This show is where we meet the artists who make our community a more beautiful place. This week, we meet painter and illustrator Jacob Polehill. Jacob is 23 years old. He's a Rockford native and a Harlem High School graduate. And he's currently living on the west side of Chicago to study industrial design at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Jacob just opened his most recent solo exhibit on Friday called Out of the Box. It's at the Courtman Gallery in Rockford. The show runs through November 16. Jacob's work puts on display the dysfunction and grace that inhabits the human mind. He frequently paints a bubbly humanoid figure he calls Lil Duty, who's often meant to mirror Poe Hill's own mental state. Jacob's artistic voice draws from the rock concert advertisements of the 1970s and 80s, cubism, and an animated style made famous by Disney and Nickelodeon. Another motif of his work creates a dialogue about bucking expectations. These designs are luxurious psychedelic memes. The repeating lines of text form a color-shifting snake squirming in midair. Cole Hill visited the Register Star newsroom last week for this podcast. So let's drop in on our conversation now. Jacob Polehill, thank you so much for coming into the Rockford Register Star newsroom today. I've been following your work for quite a while now, and I've wanted you to get into the, the hot seat here for a while. So finally... Thank you. Thank you. I've actually been listening to your podcast for a long time, and I will say you have a great voice for radio. Um, I think you and Steve Shannon should link up and do a radio show together. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> your check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about me, Jacob. You are here today because you've just opened your solo show called Out of the Box. It's at the J.R. Cortman Center for Design and Cortman Gallery in downtown Rockford on North Main Street. As we record this, the grand opening was Friday, and the show runs through November 16th, and we'll have more info available in the description of this podcast here. Um, first side note before we get to the good stuff here, dear listeners, Jacob and dozens of other Rockford artists have just completed a huge weekend celebrating Rockford's creative community with the Rockford Area Arts Council's 32nd Annual Fall Art Scene. Let me take a deep breath after that introduction. Uh, now the time, uh, by the time this episode airs, 
The weekend will be over. Much of the art, though, will still be on display at the 36 official venues throughout Rockford. And again, here's a link to the Fall Art Scene info at fallartscene.com, and it's in the description of this episode as well. Now, Jacob, my role as a host of this show is to make educated assumptions about your body of work and then give you the space to tell me the truth of the matter here. So cut me off before I put too many words in your mouth there. As I look at your work, here's what I see. Bubble figures on clean, bold backgrounds, clearly illustrating a human, but with twisted bodily features. Your artistic voice draws from rock concert advertisements of the 70s and 80s. There's custom, excuse me, there's cubism and the style of animation made famous by Disney and Nickelodeon um, uh, with their bold and bright clean colors again showing up. Here's the main thing that impresses me about you, though. A character that frequents your work is your imaginary sidekick, Lil Duty. He's an abstracted humanoid, as you say on your website, that often mirrors your own mental state. So like many of the men and women that I've talked to on this show, I think it's brilliant and brave of you to have such a public display of the dysfunction and the grace that is our human psyches here. And enough of the the deep talk here. Uh, do you know that you're doing this in your own work? Or is Little Duty, for example, just little doodles that you do to kill time here? I want to, before I get into that, that was the coolest, like, I think you explained my work better than I ever have. And I'm probably just going to type everything you just said and put it on my website because that was really cool. <laughs> all right. All um, right. No, thank you for all that. Wow. Um, no, so like Little Duty did start as like really poorly drawn doodles. I was at a point creatively, um, I've been living in Chicago for a year and I was trying to develop my own style and I figure, you know, what's the best way to like be original. And I mean, I guess that was just like be myself. Um, you know, I, I draw influence from so many different things and they're so dramatically different because I have so many wide, um, I have a wide range of interests. So yeah, I mean, just kind of like pulling those all together and just mashing it and just like making something. I think that was some of the best advice I ever got. I forgot who told me and where I heard it from, but it was just like, you know, to be the best artist, you just like literally like take everything you like and then you just kind of mash it together until it works. And you, you really just try to put the square pegs in the um, round holes until like it just fits. It doesn't. Ha- and sometimes it's not as pretty, but it it's you. We'll be fleshing out that evolution of your artistic style yeah. throughout this conversation yeah. here. And I've got a couple of pointed questions to get there. Uh, but stepping back into the Wayback Machine here, uh, let's talk about your childhood. And, and for the record, I'm, I'm not a, a, a psychologist or anything like Ooh. that, but I'll throw out some of those uh, stereotypical, you know, uh, what was your childhood like questions. Yeah. Um, for example, what was your childhood like? <laughs> so uh, I was born and raised in Rockford. Um, I went to Westview Elementary School. 
um, until I was about eight years old. And then I, my parents moved out of Rockford to McChesney Park. Then I started going to Harlem, and it was a really, like, it was kind of a culture shock at first because I was used to, like, um, very crowded, like, classrooms at Westview. And it was, sometimes it was, like, kind of, like, disorderly because, you know, there was so much going on. But it was also very diverse. And then when I got to, like, you know, Harlem, like, class sizes were a little bit smaller. Things were a little more, like, controlled and it was like less diverse so like growing up in that um then i went throughout that uh i played basketball a lot as a kid um i was really into sports but as a kid like i was really into like drawing and like writing like little stories i was even like into music a lot writing songs um stuff like that um you know my great grandma and um all my grandparents really like always had like crayons stuff like that you know you sitting at grandma's kitchen table drawing i was drawing a lot of houses and stuff as a kid now that i think about it and like faces and stuff grandmas um, have appeared on this show before cited as examples of the earliest creative memories of a lot of artists so the the maternal line mm -hmm. and uh our our uh our foremothers are obviously quite a bit uh of an inspiration for most of us here on yeah this show. no like Dude, my great grandma, um, she's not with us anymore, unfortunately, but that was like my best friend. Um, and dude, she was sick. Like she, she would take me to like Michael's and like wherever. And I'd be like, Oh, clay sounds cool. And she'd be like, okay. And I, literally just buy me clay. I had no idea what I was doing. And she didn't know either. Like, I remember like her putting like clay in her oven thinking that we could bake like ceramics in her oven and come out all burnt and bad. But like she just like really let me do like whatever I wanted. And like, I think that's kind of what fostered where I'm at today. And it's really weird because I kind of diverted from art for a long time. Um, I, Before we get to, to that mm -hmm. development there, what were some of your earliest creative memories? You mentioned uh, going yeah. shopping with your great grandma. What, yeah. what other sort of memories are you first mm -hmm. associating with creating art? Um, I remember she bought me my first sketch pad, like an actual, like a nice piece of paper. Like I did not need something that nice as a kid, but she bought it anyway. And she bought me like these pencils. And I remember just like laying in her kitchen or not her kitchen, her living room. And I vividly remember like drawing this couch that she had in, in like, um, her living room and just like drawing everything that I saw and like, just like trying my best to like make it look like that. Um, and I think that's what we're really like, just like getting into like working those muscles out and like just like getting proportions down and like stuff like that. I don't know why I was like so drawn to drawing like this couch because it had like all these like little ornate like pegs and stuff in it and like stuff like that. But that was a vivid one and just like her having her buying birdhouses and like, oh, let's paint this birdhouse today. I, I would spend a lot of weekends like with my grandparents and. Um, they always like, that was kind of like how they kept me occupied, um, was just like, here, work on this. Like, here's a, here's a coloring book. So, so working on that and through the process of trial and error, mm -hmm. you developed a base level understanding of proportions. Yeah. It sounded like you got a nice, uh, self-education in, um, in, in just the basics of illustration and drawing. And yeah. it's, and it sounds like you took a. Uh, if anybody knows your work now, it sounds like you've 
taken a lot of those rules and just thrown them out the door mm-hmm. uh, to create the the things that you're popular uh, or, or well known for now. Yeah. Um, you mentioned though that you took a slight deviation from art and creation for a while, but now you're currently living on the west side of Chicago and studying mm-hmm. industrial design at the University of Illinois Chicago. Mm -hmm. where did you deviate and how did you get back into the scene okay so i was i got really into playing basketball like and i feel like it was more of like a thing for like me to like fit in in school um you know growing up i was like really shy and i was really quiet and then i kind of broke out of my shell as i like got older um and basketball is like that thing where i kind of like started like gaining confidence in it uh, I was never like a great scorer, but I could play defense. I could rebound, and I did. I did all the dirty work. I like my my great grandma and my great grandfather's favorite player was Dennis Rodman, so I wanted to like play like Dennis Rodman. Not at first though. You had a first uh, basketball idol who so it was, you weren't God gifted enough to emulate. Though. Yeah, I wasn't like six seven and like super and like built like a bean pole, so I couldn't be Reggie Miller. So <laughs> I just. I opted in for Dennis Rodman because I felt like effort and hard work could get me there. Um, But yeah, so I played basketball until about my sophomore year and got to the varsity level and me and the coach um, had different ideas on what play styles worked best. He wanted a bunch of, he wanted four quick guards that could shoot threes and then one big man down low. And then I was an undersized post player who just liked to, do the dirty work and stuff. So I didn't really fit in with that system and it wasn't fun for me. And I was, I've always been somebody that like, if it's not fun for me, I'm not going to do it. Like I'm, I'm not going to like make myself hate something just to like do something. So, uh, I actually started going, I took a drawing class instead of eighth hour PE to which he asked me, why are you not in my eighth hour basketball, like PE class? And I was like, Oh, I want to, paint and he was just like okay and then that was it um so i started painting um shout out miss a um from harlem high school and miss carilla because they made me love art again and they really gave me like an actual education in art and then that's where i kind of like um really started making leaps and bounds and then harlem adopted the ap art program my senior year and we had to make 26 pieces for entire school year. And at the time that was a lot for me. I could do that easily now, but at the time that was so hard. And like, that's the hardest I think I've ever worked in a class in high school. And it really like pushed me and I really started making creative strides there. So now you're back into the art scene and the art swing here. Yeah. So your work nowadays features shapes and figures floating, falling in midair, and that seems to be a motif of yours. What's up with that stylistic choice? Um, I feel like that's just the thing for right now. Um, it probably won't last forever. Um, that's the thing with a lot of my stuff is it's like very in the moment. Um, if you look at my work right now, like it has the fo- floating falling features, but there's also a lot of bright colors and like just solid backgrounds and especially in this collection of work. And I really just wanted to push colors. I think colors like really convey emotions. And I love the way that if you look at color and you put like this color next to another color, the colors start to vibrate and it's almost like motion, but it's not cause it's like something that's very still, um, but yeah, I, I just, 
honestly, things just come to me and then I like how they look and then I just keep going with it and it keeps building and building. I mean, the falling one, I'm super afraid of heights. I, I can't get up on a five foot ladder without my knees start shaking. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I fell as a kid or something. Maybe, maybe it's when I fell off my bike as a kid. I don't know, but here's my therapist question here. Are you dealing with falling men so much now to uh, work through that fear of heights? I'm not going to ever get over that. I, people are always like, Hey, you want to go to the Willis tower? I see. Sorry. Sears tower. It's the Sears tower. And look down in the skybox and I'm like, absolutely not. I would never pay $50 to give myself that sort of anxiety. You're, you're, you're so emphatic of that. Yeah. You are banging the desk here. Yeah. Uh, listeners may have heard that. They yeah. might've, I should have hit it harder, <laughs> honestly. So those figures, uh, those humanoids of yours look to be African American men. Are you, um, what's the significance of that? Um, they also, uh, shift, uh, other skin tones as well. Is that a, a motif that you're trying to explore there or, or is that just a non-issue? Um, not, I wouldn't say it's a non-issue. I just, there's a couple of them that have like African American skin tones. Um, I just think that me being a white artist and also like having a diverse friend group and like discussing like art with them i just felt like it was super important to like have a wide range of skin tones and colors because you know i talked to my friends about art a lot because a lot of my friends are artists and they talk to me and they're they're like you know representation is super important and this i i don't believe it's like you know my like duty is like like a white man to like yeah, I need to break this. Like, I don't want to be like the white savior. I just, I just want to like express like things I see and like things that are like going on. And it's just colors sometimes at the end of the day for me. Like, I just, I love working with a wide range of colors. So like, not, why not use it? I mean, there's even purple and some of the, like the like quote unquote, like skin tones, like on the bodies too. So, um, yeah. Speaking of Nickelodeon influences, Nickelodeon, uh, Doug yeah. funny, the cartoon, Doug, Doug, they're purple yes. men in that show. And you know what's crazy is one of my favorite artists is Cause, um, K-A-W-S, and he actually was an illustrator on that show. He was one of the main illustrators for that. So it's funny that you bring that up. Right on. Doug Funny, yeah. uh, the, the theme song for Doug uh, is, is on constant loop in my head. Mm-hmm. Here, I'll catch myself doing some task and then just whistling the Doug and doing that do, uh, that dog bark at the end of the I intro theme song. I don't remember Doug very much. I was Okay, so I was more do, of like a do, do, cartoon. Do, do, I was more do, of a Cartoon do, Network do, kid do, do, growing up, like Looney Tunes, Johnny, do, Johnny Bravo. My grandpa really like loved like Looney Tunes and like especially Johnny Bravo to the point where he'd make me do the monkey dance when I was a kid. I just remembered that. That's so weird. <laughs> We're all about taking and exploring the tangents that come to us. Yeah. That, that's indicative of the creative process. So our uh, our maker listeners out there will recognize that mm-hmm. for sure. You seem to be sparking, and in fact, you you just admitted you're you're sparking dialogue with your illustrations here, Mm -hmm. whether that's talking with your fellow friends or your audience members. 
And I'm referring to the illustrations that resemble luxurious psychedelic memes uh, with repeating lines of text that form a color-shifting snake squirming in midair. Yeah. Uh, And there's a specific illustration that says, quote, Sometimes the things that make us feel full and comfortable in the moment are the things that hold us back. Um, and that's a recent uh, Instagram post that we can talk about in a second um, mm-hmm. from uh, not, about a week ago. Um, what is it about breaking out of the mold that interests you? Um, I feel like, especially with the work that I do now, it's it all goes back to just breaking out of the box. I mean, a lot of my like creative heroes talk a lot about how like, you don't have to just be one thing. Like life is so long. It's a long game. Like if you really like think about it and you can do so much. So why limit yourself to like just doing one thing? I mean, a lot of, a lot of people, when I told them like, yeah, I'm going to go to school for, you know, product system whatever design they're like side i mean they're like why don't you just do graphic you do so much graphic design already on your own blah 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 like because it's like why am i going to go to school and learn something i kind of already know already you know like i want to go learn things i'm paying all this money i want to get more out of it and i want to become more like you know i have all these tools now like you become multifaceted and just breaking out of a mold this has always been like super cool to me because also I like to put things where they quote unquote don't belong and I that interests me so much. Um, so that's what you like to do. Mm-hmm. What do you struggle most, most with in your creative uh, process? Time. Time. Only luxury. Like literally like take all my money, take everything I have except for like my laptop and stuff that I make stuff with and like literally I would just more time. I having to sleep eight hours every day to be a functioning, happy human being is really, really annoying. And I wish I could have those eight hours to like, just if I could stay up 24 hours a day, I would. Cause I really like, I like the feeling that like when I get up in the morning, I feel good, but I would much rather have eight more hours than sleeping. I don't like turning the brain off. Like I like to keep going. Speaking of using all your time and keeping going, you collaborate with other artists. It mm-hmm. seems like you illustrate show posters and conceptualize mm-hmm. and produce album art for other musicians uh, at first glance. What is, um, or, or rather, is that work with musicians your main media uh, for collabs, or or what do you prefer to, to do? Um, it just depends. I try not to do a lot of personal art with um like when I say personal, I mean like the paintings and stuff with musicians because I feel like it's more for me. But I recently just did a cover for this artist who I, I really enjoy his music. He's a rapper from Chicago. His name is Chris Crack. Um, and I just feel like his personality matched my art. So I was easily able to like capture um, his like persona with he's very he's like he's a very playful person. So it was really easy because my art's very playful to like showcase that. Um, but when I do stuff with like, you know, my good friend, uh, one of my best friends, Julius dolls, like it's just a little bit different cause his aesthetics are different. So it's like working with these different people and like taking who they are and exemplifying it. And then also like giving my own little twist on things. Like for instance, um, my, my great friend, like one of my best friends, uh, Nate Barksdale, um, he just released his EP Neon Soul and 
he loves soul music and he makes pop soul fusion. Um, and his favorite album cover, one of them is the Curtis cover for Curtis Mayfield. So I was like, dude, like you're trying to make a new age of soul music. Why don't we just make a new Curtis cover? And he was just like, yo, that's sick. And he got a yellow jacket. We got him up on like this ledge in Humboldt Park where the sun was setting. We like, we took this picture and we, we modernized it. So it's, I love like going back. Like I love going back. Like I love Stevie Wonder. I love like Michael Jackson. I love all this old stuff. But I also love all those new stuff, and I love just to, like mash it together and just force it. Who are some of those new contemporary artists uh, of any genre that you're really excited about now? Like any genre? Sure. Um, yeah. Open it up. Oh wow, uh, dude! Tyler Creators like hero like number one like literally inspired me to do everything I'm doing now. Um, Kanye West uh causes i mean hebrew brandley out of chicago scent rock out of chicago uh i'm trying i'm gonna think i'm gonna forget some people well Um, let's bring that same question a little closer to home uh you've been living out of the area for a little bit though um uh, are you looking at anybody in the rockford art scene uh who are you excited about here these days javi jimenez is nuts so javier jimenez yeah a, a recent guest of this podcast he's doing great things over at new genre arts space i gotta go way. see that he's nuts like the i, I love colors and his stuff like print screen printing is something i don't do so i have this huge like appreciation for it his stuff is crazy and then just seeing all the stuff that balta continues to keep pushing you know balta gave me like my first like gallery show like a solo exhibition so like just seeing him continue to like push that and then also vic uh rivera you know all the stuff he keeps continuing to do and he keeps pushing i mean Vic started out as a supporter of the arts and now he's like infiltrated and like really like he's doing so many great things and he's been supporting me since day one. I, I literally can't remember a show where Vic showed up and he didn't like buy something like he's that kind of guy. He's a, he's a great dude. And, and that's uh, uncle Vic, (laughs) Yeah, uncle Vic, big monster there. Uh, Balta and Vic and Javier all, guests of the podcast uh and if you'd like uh dear listeners go back into our archives and uh pick up those shows your earballs will thank you yeah uh so we've covered a lot of your life uh right now jacob uh what are you looking forward to in the near future here you got any uh well first of all you got your current show right yeah. now but let's uh get into the way forward machine a little bit what 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 are you looking at uh down the road here i'm so excited about everything like life, <laughs> okay. no, i'm like literally i'm on i was so tired this whole week but being here talking about this and like seeing the show go up is just like give me this like shot of energy and i'm learning so much in school i'm just growing as a person every day and I'm growing as an artist and I'm dude, I'm just so excited. I'm like, honestly, like my, my great grandmother left me a card um, right before she passed away and it was given to me on my graduation and in the card, it literally was like, just follow your own dreams. Cause at a time I didn't know what I wanted to do. And she knew that. And I'm so proud of myself, man. Cause I'm like doing that right now. And so just continue to grow and like learn and hopefully do more shows, hopefully work with some more people and just continue to have fun. Cause I think that's the, that's the main thing that a lot of artists just forget. Like if you're not having fun doing it, drop it, go do something that's fun. Cause this is a labor of love. Like you're nine times out of 10, you're not going to get big bucks for this. So just 
do what you love and have fun with the so where do you think the future of the Rockford art scene is going? I know you've been living out of uh, Chicago for the last couple of years. Uh, you're a native boy here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still in touch with a lot of folks here. Uh, using your Chicago experience uh, to inform your answer here, yeah, what, what do you think uh, is happening here in the Rockford art scene? I think it's, I think it's continuing to push forward. Um, my one thing um, that I want to see is I want to – I want the Rockford doesn't support Rockford stigma to go away. Um, Cause it also, it, I hear it a lot in Chicago even. And there's a, there's a clothing designer that I really like in Chicago and he built himself like brick and mortar ground up. And he, he said a really good quote and it was you, your hometown doesn't not support you. You do bad business and you make bad product. So it's just, we all need that gut check sometimes. And I, I do it myself. Like I, I made this table in the show that I'm super proud of. And I showed my professor and he critiqued it, like ripped it apart, but like, I still like it, but like that's growth. And like, we all need to like, we need to constructively cr- criticize each other so we can continue to push forward. And I think that that in itself is super important for Rockford to keep growing because if we don't critique it, we don't have these conversations that are hard conversations to make, uh, have, we're not going to like progress. And they like, you know, we all are so passionate out here, but we got to be able to like take that gut check and like continue to push forward. Cause that's the best things Balta did for me. You know, Balta pushed me forward by, he would tell me if something sucked. Like he, he, and you know, everyone does. Doc, Doc didn't. I, Doc's been supporting me for three years. And Over there is, at Cortman Gallery. Yeah, yeah. Doc has been. Doc came to my first show and bought a piece. He's been buying work for me for three years, and he just now asked me to be in his gallery. You want to know why? He literally told me. He's like, "This is good. I want this in my gallery." So it's just knowing that, and then continuing to progress and like get better. And it's it's got to be a desire for everyone. You know, we can't just be complacent because then we don't grow and then everything gets stale. Man, we've covered a ton of ground here. Thank you so much for your time here. I want to thank you for doing everything you're doing, Scott. I wanted to make sure that this got put in the air because I've told you this 20 times today, but what you do is so important and it's so great that somebody's actually documenting this stuff because this is the type of stuff that's going to inspire the next wave. And then these kids are like listening right now. And I hope that they hear this and then they get inspired because it's the artists that are what's really going to propel this forward. Uh, a truer words have never been spoke uh, as I search for my words here. Thank you so much for that uh, boost of support on my end as well. Before I wrap up this convo, I want to uh, do perhaps my favorite segment here on the show. And it's one I stole from one of my favorite NPR hosts, uh, Sam Sanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to troll and scroll through your Instagram <laughs> feed. Troll and scroll. For a cool image whose backstory just begs to be told. So I've chosen one of your more sedate IG posts here. Oh, um, man. But I think it speaks to much of what we've discussed already. Here's a photograph from February 14. It shows a man in a bright orange tracksuit with a cool shirt underneath. He's posing and playing with a basketball on a city's outdoor basketball court. Who is this man and what is the significance of the T-shirt he's modeling? That is Nate Barksdale. Nate is 
an amazing musician, an amazing performer. Honestly, it would mean a lot to me if I could bring him out here and have him perform because I, I think that people will love it. But um, yeah, so me and Nate, we got away from it, but I think we're going to get back into it. Um, we had a, God, four hours long. We literally sat down for four hours and talked about what pop art is and what is like popular culture and like stuff like that and we made a shirt and, and for the this. record yeah uh the shirt has big bold letters yeah. spelling out pop yeah like and i think one of your figurines there right mm, uh, yeah one of your one of your humanoids there no it's actually not it's oh, actually okay. um it's actually a collage of so like basketball cards were like so like huge like in the so we like to talk about pop culture from like different eras too so we took 70s and 80s basketball like that weren't Michael Jordan because I'm sorry. I'm tired of seeing Michael Jordan's face everywhere, especially living in Chicago. Um, so we took like Dr. J, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Sean Kemp. I love Sean Kemp. Um, and we even took a figure of Dennis Rodman. Um, and we collaged them together, put them on a t-shirt. And then we kind of made this like collaged basketball card that was on a, um, on a um, t-shirt. And I'm pretty sure the tagline underneath, you can't really see in the photo, but it says 1973 to infinity. Um, so yeah, we just, we like, we like just like talking about pop culture and we're like, Hey man, like this might be fun to do. Like, let's just make this on a t-shirt and yeah, Nate, Nate's amazing. He, he's an amazing musician, but he's also a great creative mind and he's one of my favorite absolute people to work with, let alone favorite people in general. Yeah, it's like one of my best friends. He's awesome. Neon Soul's out now. You can go stream that and everything, by the way. Little little shout out there right <laughs> at the end. All right, all right. I did the album cover. <laughs> now that's pertinent to the conversation yeah. at hand. Uh, my guest today is Rockford native, painter, illustrator, awesome dude, Jacob Polehill. His current show exhibit called Out of the Box runs through november 16 at the courtman gallery in downtown rockford jacob thank you so so much for your time today scott thank you this was so much fun um hope you guys come to the show that'd be really cool right on sick meet the artist is made possible through the journalism of the rockford register star the episode's theme music is called Too Cool by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and Filmmusic.io and is used under a Creative Commons by 4.0 license. For more from the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, go online at rrstar.com.